hey, giant builders, you like me and have maybe a little bit of sugar problem? Okay, next speaker is going to help us with that. Building spirituality, family, health, and business. This is the Giant Builders with Lois Wyant. Hey, Giant Builders. Welcome. We're happy to have you. And I want you to know that I really appreciate you. And if you know of somebody who would be a good guest for the Giant Builders, let me know. So today's guest is Cynthia Ray. Hi, Cynthia. How are you? Hey, good. How are you? It's fine. Can you tell <laughs> our listeners a little bit about yourself and what you do? Sure. I'll try to make it brief. <laughs> so, <laughs> so anyway, like she said, like Lois said, my name is Cynthia Ray. I am a registered dietitian. I'm also licensed as a dietitian in the state of Idaho. Um, I'm also a fitness specialist with the American College of Sports Medicine, and I'm passionate about helping women in their wellness journey. So specifically with um, freeing themselves from the relationship or bondage to sugar, and then also allowing them, helping them to, by giving them the tools to free, I call it free the fat. <laughs> so to free the fat, to um, let it come off their bodies, despite having any glycemic issues like hypoglycemia, insulin resistance, prediabetes, hormone imbalances, um, and just doing diets over and over again and nothing happening. So I love a challenge. And so I've been able to oh, break, right. yeah, break, <laughs> yeah, find that lock or the key for the lock and undo it and find it. So I specifically for women over 40, if I didn't say that already, but, um, which is the struggles that we go through. And I really wanted to find a way to break through that. And I have, so yeah, so I'll probably share more with you about that today. Okay. Well, just so you know, being over 60 makes it even harder. So just <laughs> <laughs> you're not there yet, but <laughs> just letting you know, <laughs> all That's right, let's talk, about, yeah. let's talk about my, um, my biggest problem is the addiction to sugar. Mm. <laughs> Walk me through the process. Like, how do I stop craving that piece of cake that I made last weekend? Ooh, it sounds delicious. <laughs> oh, <laughs> make the cake, right? That would be it. Yeah. yeah, right? Yeah, so how do you stop? Okay, that's there's a lot of steps. But I think one of the first things I always like to tell everybody is to have grace with yourself. Because many times what happens is when we are all or nothing, then we end up self-sabotaging. So if we say, oh, okay, I'm so done. I just ate all this cake this weekend. I'm so done with it. Tomorrow, I'm not going to eat sugar again, right? So we make these big promises in the moment. It feels really good because we're so angry with ourselves or so ashamed or guilty or what have you and feeling maybe even sick um, that it's easy to do the first day. Okay, I'm off of sugar today, Monday, whatever. I'm off of sugar but then Wednesday, Thursday, Friday comes around. It's like, oh, you kind of forget about what happened over the previous weekend. And then days go by. And it's like, okay, well, maybe I'll have a little cookie or something sweet because I'm craving it now, right? Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, so the first thing I would say is to allow yourself some grace and create realistic goals around it and not feel like you have to be all or nothing to avoid having more of it later. So yeah, so that's one step. Um, there's also a cycle called the guilt and shame cycle. It's an emotional cycle um, that we go through in, with that description or that uh, little example I just gave you. So if you can avoid that, that's probably the first key. And then the second key is just knowing how to stabilize your blood sugar in your everyday diet. So if your diet is, unfortunately, they call it the stand SAD, the standard American diet, which is usually a higher 
carbohydrate, higher refined carbohydrate diet, um, lower in fats and moderate in protein that will contribute to sugar cravings or, you know, they have the, the blood sugar rise and then the blood sugar falls and dips below normal levels. Um, and then you're craving sugar or just needing food now because your blood sugar is so low. And, um, when we have blood sugar dips, we want more carbohydrates to get it up as fast as we can, which is fine. That's normal. That's our human nature. We're designed actually to want carbohydrates when our blood sugar is low for survival. Um, but you can avoid that by having a diet that's a little bit higher, actually on the high end of healthy fats, which would be like avocado, um, healthy uh, oils, seed oils, or olive oil, or avocado oil, coconut oil. Um, you can also do seeds, nuts, um, nut butters, things like that. Avocado, if I didn't say that already, avocado are really great plant sources of fats that will help to stabilize your blood sugar and keep you satisfied and not having those highs and lows. And then also moderate amount of protein, you know, healthy proteins, meats. And if you're a vegetarian, you can do your vegetarian sources. Um, and then also um, lower in carbohydrates. And the carbohydrate sources that you do want to go to to keep your blood sugar stable are things that are more low glycemic. So that would be like berries. Um, you can do blueberries, raspberries, strawberries, whatever berries you like. Um, usually for those, you want to get those organic just because they're um, really soak in those pesticides if you get them traditionally grown. But if you get them organic, it'll be better for your toxic load. You won't have as many toxins coming in. And then also um, you can also do sweet potatoes. Those are great. They're really tasty and they're on the lower glycemic end. They'll keep your blood sugar pretty stable. And then also you can do white rice. There's like all this controversy right, with white rice and brown rice. Um, it really doesn't matter between the two. They're not much of a difference glycemic wise. So, um, but the idea is, is to get in carbohydrate sources that are from the earth that are plant sources and not processed. So an example of processed carbohydrates would be bread, just any kind of bread. That's the wheat that's taken from the ground and then processed into bread. Um, those will mess a little bit more with your blood sugar, but whole plant sources are a little bit better because they're higher in fiber and, um, just natural sources, which are made for our body. So yeah, those are the top two. So keep your diet balanced and then avoid self-sabotage. There's other things too, but I'm not sure if you have more questions for me, but those are the top two, I would say to start with, if you want to get started. Okay. Well, I've noticed I have been at times sugar-free mm -hmm. and I've noticed that when I go for a period of time without sugar, mm -hmm. then it doesn't taste very good when I okay. have it. Right. Yes. But then, I'll, then over a period of time, it does start tasting good again, and then I'm back into it. So is there like, I don't know, is there a, a secret to like, if you get off of the sugar and you're like, you're doing okay, is there like a secret to like mentally be okay with that? Yeah, that's a great question. So what happens is, yeah, so the mentally part's one piece. So I'll I'll address one thing first, then I'll yeah, come back to the mental part. That's a whole nother thing. So what's actually happening is, okay, so let's say, you know, I have my 21 day sugar detox. People are doing fantastic. Usually the first, honestly, the first three to five days of detoxing sugar or taking out of your diet or fasting it or however you want to say, um, is the most challenging because usually if you've, depending on how much you've eaten before, you detox, you could have detox symptoms. So like those, it feels like a fever, but without the, without the temperature, so elevation. So you might get 
um, eight body aches or fatigue or, you know, some brain fog or headaches, things like that as the toxins leave your body. Those are all good signs because that means your body's doing its thing and flushing out the toxins are about to leave. Um, so anyway, so yeah, so we're like, oh yeah. So when you're detoxing sugar, the first few days are going to be tough. And then after that, you don't crave it anymore, which is kind of like what you're talking about, right? You don't, it's neutral. You can take it or leave it. It doesn't really affect you that much anymore. So after that, um, time and you say, okay, you know what? I've been doing pretty good. I really would love to enjoy something special, a sweet treat, or it's my birthday and I want to get something special, which is completely appropriate. And then you kind of get a taste for it again. And then that week you're like, oh man, I'm craving sugar again. I just broke this habit, or at least I thought I did. Right. So, okay. So what's happening. There's a, there's an emotional aspect and a physiological aspect. So the physiological aspect is um, our gut, your intestines, right? We have bacteria in there and there's certain bacteria in there that get fed with sugar. So when we're detoxing and we have those symptoms that we don't like, they don't feel great. It's because those bacteria and, and we're having stronger cravings. Um, those bacteria are fighting for survival. And so because they're not getting fed, they're just like doing anything they can to make you crave something sweet. Basically, you know, I know when I, when I did a detox years ago, I remember, okay, this is going to be a little bit tough, but I remember I was walking, I was carrying a laundry basket, watching, walking past the TV. And feel like every time I walk past the TV, there's a commercial on for like Godiva chocolate or something. You're like, oh my gosh. But my body was, my gut bacteria is like, I want to survive. So I'm going to do whatever, you know, I'm going to notice everything that's sugar, right? Um, so it's trying to survive. So when you, once you diet off, once you starve it and it dies, then you don't crave it anymore because there's no center there that's needing it, right? So we don't need sugar, right? To survive. It's just a desire. Um, so yeah. So the, once that dies off, then you don't crave it, but when you reintroduce it, you kind of take it out of hibernation mm. and it reawakens it. Okay. But this is the key. So the key is it's okay to do that. And I teach my, all uh, my clients and the people who read my book that when you do reintroduce it, make sure it's something special. Don't settle. Don't settle for just whatever comes along your way. Something sweet, make it something special. Like I said, maybe a special occasion or think of that thing that is your absolute favorite. Even if it takes driving somewhere or spending a little extra money, it's worth it because it's really worth it. It's worth the, the treat, right? And then if you do decide to eat it, make it special, sit down with it, eat it mindfully, taste it, enjoy it. Um, think about what it took to make it like who, who made it? How did it, how did all these ingredients get from point A to my plate, you know? So just taking that moment to really appreciate it, savor it, enjoy it, maybe have like a cup of tea or coffee or whatever is your special thing and enjoy it and make it a moment. Then just grabbing something mindlessly, putting it in your mouth and realizing, Oh wait, what did I just eat? You know, as we're doing something else. <laughs> so, and I'm describing all this because I've lived this too. And a lot of my uh, clients have done this too. It's a normal thing. So yeah, so that would really help you, I think, um, get back to that. And then of course, like I said, then the rest of your diet, balancing it out with um, healthy, higher healthy fat, moderate protein, and lower carbohydrate um, from whole food sources. So yeah, does that answer your question? That's perfect. Yes. Okay. Okay, um, good. All right. So tell, tell our listeners a little bit about your book. Okay. 
Okay. Yeah, yeah, sure. So um, I have a book, it's called The 21 Day Sugar Detox. And there's a long subtitle um, about crushing cravings. I don't have it with me. I didn't memorize it. <laughs> but um, <laughs> basically crushing cravings and feel better now, which is what it actually does achieve. So um, it's a 21 day devotional style book. It's a faith based book. You don't have to be faith based to read it or to benefit from it. But it is a faith based book. Um, each day, it's a 21 day. So each day is a day kind of like a devotional style where there's a scripture at the beginning and then a whole lesson about um, detoxing and it takes you step to step. So it's like a, a journey style. So from the day one, the beginning of your journey, you get a bunch of tips and information on how to do this successfully and all the information about shame and guilt and how to avoid that and give yourself grace. And then knowing that you have permission to eat sugar, but it's better if you don't <laughs> for this time. <laughs> Just, be, just to, you know, to push through. Otherwise, it wouldn't be a sugar detox. But, um, and then, yeah. So it goes day by day. It's a journey. And then by day twenty-one, even by day twenty, I'm teaching you how to reintroduce it into your life in a balanced manner and a healthy manner, if you choose. But you don't have to. Some people really, truly are addicted to sugar, and they've had other addictions to other things in the past, or a family history of alcoholism or other addictions, which makes somebody more prone to becoming addicted to sugar. Um, so you don't have to reintroduce it if, it, if you feel like it's not a good fit for you, but if you'd like to, I, I share with you how to do that. And then within the book itself, I have a four week, uh, comprehensive meal plan, grocery list with the description I gave you of the high healthy fats and so on. Um, it tells you exactly how to eat. And I love it because, and all my, my uh, readers love it too, because the dinner for each day, you make two servings of it. So you can have it at lunch the next day. And it makes it so much easier. So you just put it in your fridge or make a little extra and then you have it for lunch the next day. And then you just continue that. Um, it has recipes for a, pretty much every single um, food item that's in there. And yeah, it just makes it really easy to follow. My idea when writing this book was to make it so user-friendly. I think of it like uh, color by number. Remember that the, when yeah, you were little? Yeah. The, the, yeah. So all you have to do is, okay, what color am I doing? Okay. Number two is green. Okay, cool. <laughs> so it's like, you don't have to think, you just focus on taking care of yourself and get the groceries that you need from the grocery list and then just make the food and just, you know, making it as simple as possible. Um, I say simple because it is simple, but it's not always easy per se. The first, like I said, five days can be challenging. But um, because of that, I actually do also have a private Facebook support group for the book. And uh, I don't know, maybe once or twice a month or maybe once every six weeks, we do a live sessions together. So I'll do the journey with you from day one through 21 in our Facebook group. And it's just nice to have support. And, and I was learning, I don't know, maybe a few months ago that we're night, let's see, how does the statistic go? So you're 95 percent more likely to succeed if you have a support group if you're doing it on your own it decreases the likely to succeed by at least 30 40 percent so that's why i really thought it was important to have community around this and to have uh, me in there uh, available to answer questions everybody in there supporting each other encouraging each other and then in that group on third fridays or saturdays depending on when you're listening to this but we also do a live q a and support group day so i'm in there and we do a zoom session and we all chat catch up with each other, see how things are going. I give updates in about re recent research or address some issues that people are struggling with. And then we discuss how we're doing and support each other. So it's a really nice thing. And it's only $17 to join the Facebook group. 
Oh, great. And you can be in there as long as you'd like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Well, yeah. I'm going two books, one for me okay. and okay. one for you, Jaya Builders. So if you leave <laughs> it below, you okay. have a drawing and give away a book. So, that sounds great. Okay. Yeah. Very good. Okay. Right, so I'm guessing this is probably like a really big step to keeping your health. As yeah. Far as the sugar. What is another step that we might be mindful of? Uh -huh. As far as sugar or wellness? Just being healthy. Just being healthy. Okay. Mm -hmm. So yeah. So um, what I like to do is, um, so I have the book. So I, a lot of times I'll bring my clients into doing the sugar detox book to kind of clear symptoms, just kind of get like a really good foundation for their wellness, because a lot of women, <laughs> not just us, but do struggle with sugar, just people in general. It's just, a, it's a thing with our culture and with our diet. Um, so what I like to do is help them just kind of baby step into refreshing their bodies, resetting their diet. And what I found, so after I did, um, after I published the book, it was just this past December, 2022, um, after I published it, it, it became a number one bestseller, which was awesome. I was so excited about that um, on Amazon. So can I plug it? Can I? Oh, okay. please do, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so it's, Congratulations. So it, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So if um, if you're interested, all you have to do is go to my website. It's 21dayswithoutsugar.com. So yeah, just 21daysWithoutSugar.com. And on there, you can find the book. It's the whole website for the book. Um, you can find the book. You can download the free meal plan that goes with it. I also have a um, list of 10 sweet treat alternatives that you can download. So if it's kind of like a little tool that you can use if you're struggling the first week, I have a list of 10 sweet treats that you can enjoy that aren't that don't have sugar, but give you that same satisfaction of enjoying something sweet um, while you're detoxing and still not negating your results. It doesn't cut your sugar fast. <laughs> it still goes along with it. Um, it makes it a little easier. And I think, and I thinking about this though, I, I know that the idea of detoxing sugar, especially for 21 days, sounds really grand. If it's something that you wish you could do or wanted to do, and it feels grand because it's scary. It's like, oh my gosh, I can't eat sugar for, I have to get rid of whatever my favorite thing is for 21 days. Or my family, we do, you know, dessert, Friday night, or we go out on the weekends or part of the, um, sugar detox too, is detoxing alcohol. So we also eliminate alcohol during the months, um, because they're, they, they're pretty, they go hand in hand metabolically. So, um, we also take out sugar or alcohol from our diet at that time. So that can be scary too. That's why I put together the, the 10 sweet treat alternative list. So you can feel like you're not missing out. So if you're going out with friends or going with family, you still have things that you can enjoy with them and not feel like you're left out because a big part of eat the eating experience, especially with something sweet is connecting with people. That's why I don't want to ever feel like somebody can't have something mm -hmm. because a big part of life and food is connecting connection, memories, um, creating bonding with people over food. And that's, it's important. So I just don't want to, I want to make sure people aren't having that taken away from them because if you do, and it causes stress, then it's going to lead to more cravings. <laughs> so you want to make sure that you still feel connected. Um, and I even have a whole chapter on eliminating alcohol and alternatives that you can enjoy. If you go out with friends or go out with your husband and want something to drink, there's a list of alternatives that you can enjoy that are non-alcoholic um, that you can still feel like you're part of the group. Okay. So um, anyway, I don't think like went on a tangent, but <laughs> yeah, that was great. So tell me what a first meeting with you would look like. Yeah. So um, as far as one-on-one -on -one or. Yeah. 
Yeah. So I've, so just to give you a little history. So I've been in private practice for a little over 20 years um, as a dietitian in an office, but then when COVID hit, then Zoom became really popular, which was good for me because <laughs> we are originally from Southern California and my practice was thriving there. And then we moved to Idaho, North Idaho. And then my clients were meeting me on Zoom, which was nice because of COVID. It was normal and it wasn't a big deal anymore. Um, so yeah, so when um, somebody meets with me one-on-one, I basically run through a 90-minute assessment session with them and um, go over everything, go over their health history, go over their current goals, what their needs are. And then after this long, beautiful conversation, um, the other thing I didn't mention earlier was about emotions. So that's a big part of my practice is working with the whole person. So emotionally, physically, spiritually, um, checking to see, you know, if their cravings are driven by certain emotions. And in the book, I have a whole chapter or two on emotional eating. And that's a whole nother thing, but it's really neat. That's actually one of my specialties is behavior, mood, and food. Um, in the past, I worked with um, eating disorders clients and binge eaters. That was my specialty for years. And then moved into helping women in the general population, which still struggle with those things at, at some level. Um, but I'm able to address those issues with them as well. So um, yeah, so meeting with me, we do a full assessment addressing all of those issues. And then I would provide you with a customized meal plan and grocery list if somebody wants it, recipes if they need it. And then um, usually it's also tailored to not just the ratio of macronutrients, but also the caloric need. Um, I'm I'm also more recently a really big proponent of fasting and intermittent fasting. I know it seems a lot of times it's like one of those words like, oh, it's, you know, and the new latest thing. It's really not. It's been around for generations. (laughs) But um, as a Christian through prayer myself and asking, you know, God for direction, I really feel like it's really important to incorporate um, fasting in our day, in our daily life, because our bodies are metabolically designed to do that. That's a whole nother subject, but that's something that I'm really utilizing to help women with, um, with breaking through weight loss plateaus. It's amazing. It's such a blessing in so many ways, not just for weight loss, but just for general health and reversing disease. But Anyhow, so yeah, so that's part of my practice. And if somebody needs to do some fasting, then I'll help coach them through that. Um, And then, yeah, and then also we meet for another, you know, follow-up session or two after that, depending on how they're doing um, for like an hour or so, half half an hour check-in, stuff like that. Um, And then beyond that, I also have, I just started a brand new program called the Ageless Body Blueprint. And it's designed to help women over 40 to break through weight loss plateaus, like I was saying at the beginning. And it's an online course. It's eight weeks. I just did a test group for that one, but uh, less than a month ago, I was amazed. I had 11 women in that group that were so dedicated and they bonded in such a special way with our live sessions together and are helping each other through the process. And that they fall off, they build each other back up and they get back on. And a, a big part of my program too is teaching resilience um, you know, when you fall off, how quickly can you get back on and how quickly can we help each other get back on? And that's part of life. It's the season and it's normal. We're not perfect. And sometimes we, we fall off and it's really about how quickly you get back on for how much strength you have. And then also, um, just supporting each other. That's again, we're going to go back to that too, but supporting each other emotions are a huge part of eating in general. So, and learning new skills. Yeah. Right. So at the beginning, you said that we're usually standard, or we 
often follow the American standard diet. Is that uh -huh. yes, standard American diet? Yes, yeah, sad. Is there like a is there is there a better, healthier way, or is it just depend on person to person? Um. So yes. So it's a little bit of both. So as a dietitian, I work with clinical things too. So, you know, the medical condition. So it depends on what you're presenting with um, when you meet with me. So if somebody is struggling, um, for example, with diabetes, and of course I need a special diet, um, but now I'm learning more and more about the health benefits and healing benefits of fasting. Um, one of the things I've learned recently is I've heard other doctors say that, who's a proponent of fasting as well, that if somebody comes in with a medical condition to their doctor's office, what they really should be telling them is fast a little bit first and then see how, how you're feeling. And then we'll get back to it <laughs> because your body is actually self-healing in that regard. Mm -hmm. um, but anyway, um, yeah, so it, it really just depends on person to person with the programs that I have. It's specific to certain people. So the diet specific to that person, but in my groups, I also work with them one-on-one -on -one if they need it. So they can get, I can also modify the meal plan according to what their specific needs are, or if they're using it and they need more breakthrough, then I'll modify it a little bit more for them um, according to their specific needs. So yeah, so the food guide pyramid, I guess that's the standard American diet, or I think there's now, wait, I think it's called my plate, the USDA has that first for the standard American diet. And there's always milk. We always joke about this since I was in college. There's always a milk somewhere <laughs> on, the, <laughs> on the food guide pyramid or on the right, my plate, because the dairy board has a lot of money and influence. Oh. So they like to make sure they have their, they're on the USDA board too, make sure they have a, their presence for the recommendations for human consumption. Um, but it's not necessary. I mean, I'm going to say that, yeah, it's not, milk isn't necessary um, for your diet. You can, if you like it, that's fine. It's one thing, but you don't have to have it. Um, there's other great sources of calcium out there. Mm, okay. So yeah. So yeah. does that... Yeah, that thing yeah, answers yeah, your question. Yes. Okay, good. <laughs> okay, so you mentioned emotional eating earlier. Can we expand on that a little bit? Yeah. So, yes, emotional eating. It's a broad topic, but I'll, okay. I'll I'll walk you through how to how to conquer it. That's probably the best thing, right? You want a solution, if anything. Okay, so emotional eating comes in different ways. Um, there's a top five emotions that are the most common triggers for eating when you're not hungry. So that's the key. Number one key, eating when you're not hungry, that's emotional eating. Um, hungry per se. So there's five things. So the five ones, there's an acronym called HALT, H-A-L-T. Some of you guys might have heard of that, but HALT stands for hungry, angry, lonely, sorry, I guess there's four. There's actually, I like to add stressed or overwhelmed to it as well. Um, but you can also add the word too before that. You say too hungry, too angry, too lonely, too tired, too stressed and overwhelmed. And boredom, a lot of times people say boredom eating. Um, boredom eating actually comes under the category of angry, Ooh, which is interesting. Really? I had I asked, I asked a psychologist about this one. And um, boredom is actually a type of anger because we're bored because we are not being able, not able to do something that we'd rather do. So it kind of builds up anger and frustration. I know it's kind of a stretch, but <laughs> it kind of does fit. So um, yeah, we can actually, actually it's form of anger. So when you're bored, it's like, oh, I want something more exciting in my life right now. So we'll go to food um, because it's boring, right? We need some kind of mental stimulation or something, especially these days with everything moving so quickly and social media and all these things coming after us. We have such a short attention span 
that we get bored easily. So we try to fill that gap with something that's going to give you that same serotonin boost. Okay. So hungry, angry, lonely, tired, stressed, and overwhelmed. So if you're feeling any of those things, you're going to know, first of all, if it's emotional eating, not hunger eating, because when you're emotionally hungry, cravings come on like that. It's not something you've been thinking about. Oh, that sounds really good. It's usually something that's like very quick. It's like, oh, I need this right now. And, and also another symptom too, is if you're eating quickly, if you're eating something carby, because more often than not, if you're emotional eating, we're not sitting down to a solid and protein, right? It's like, that's not going <laughs> to, that's not going to do anything. What and the reason really, what if you have a really bad habit of always eating quickly? I have a really bad habit of always eating quickly, always eating quickly. Yeah. So yeah. another thing I, I teach is mindful eating. So mm -hmm. just sitting down and tasting the food, like I was mentioning before, tasting the food, being present, appreciating it for what it is. And I know, I mean, I'm a mom and just, we're busy. We have a lot of, a lot of things going on. And so it's stand sitting and eating is much less likely to happen than standing and eating <laughs> or <laughs> thinking about other things and eating at the same time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so in my book and also in my program, I do a whole little course on mindful eating and we do some exercises and it just really kind of helps to center you for a minute, ground you so you can actually know what it feels like to taste food. Um, but yeah, I would just definitely recommend mindful eating. Um, I even have a YouTube channel with lots of videos on there, um, teaching you how to do that as well. So, okay. So, um, you were mentioning eating quickly. So hopefully that helps with the mindful yeah. eating. Yeah. And then also, um, emotions, we're talking about emotions. So when we're craving carbohydrates, it's because carbohydrates have a drug effect, actually different types of foods do, but specifically carbohydrates have a drug effect. They're comforting. They elevate oxytocin, which makes you feel like you just got a big hug. Or I always talk about that feeling if you've held a baby like mm -hmm. in, and you're sitting on a couch and they're on your chest and the baby's head's here and you're just like feeling, you know, smelling them and you just have this yeah, feeling, right? Of just feeling co cozy and comfortable. That's when oxytocin elevates um, or just feeling connected with a partner. That's when oxytocin elevates. So we just feel connected. We feel loved. We feel like at peace. Um, also it elevates serotonin. So, um, we get that rush of like feeling good. You just feel, it's like that feel good hormone. You just feel brain clarity. You feel like you feel on top of the world. You feel like all your problems are solved. Um, serotonin and then also dopamine has the same effect too. So people say dope, you know, like cocaine, <laughs> it's that yeah. same, like, ah, I feel good. So carbohydrates do create that effect metabolically with our brain chemistry and they've done research people eat carbohydrates, they test brain chemistry and everything's elevated. Um, and I believe that's for survival. You know, when, if speaking of fasting, you know, back in the day when we didn't have food all the time, we had to um, wake up in the morning and go forage. We couldn't eat first thing in the morning. Carbs were a great source of energy to continue foraging. If you found some berries or found some, some potatoes or something, you can grab that and get quick energy and feel good. So we still have that mechanism in our body, but when it's processed carbohydrates, along with sugar, then everything's heightened. So processed carbohydrates or sugary processed carbohydrates is what we're going to go to for emotional um, comfort. So if you're eating something that's soft and chewy or sweet and creamy, that's when you're really getting that oxytocin, like, oh, I need a hug. I need assurance. I need, they call it comfort food, right? <laughs> so for that reason, comfort food. Um, also, um, yeah, so sweet, sweet, creamy, um, salty and soft, it 
any of those types of things. Or if you're eating things that are crunchy and salty, crunchy and salty has a similar effect or even crunchy and sweet has a similar effect because when you're crunching on something, it actually uh, triggers the centers in your brain to elevate those um, hormones so you can deplete stress. So if you know, if you're like oh, crunching on something, it just you just feel like you know you're releasing anger or tension, and then it it does help um, to release. And usually it's something carby and crunchy. So some people are sweet people, some people are savory. Just depends if you're having chips or pretzels, uh, crackers, some something that's crunchy, or even an apple, something hard and crunchy can also give you that same um, effect. So that's basically why we're choosing what we're choosing in those moments. Um, and then you can identify your emotions based on what foods you're choosing. So if you're choosing something salty and crunchy, you're angry, frustrated, annoyed, things, you know, strong emotions. If you're wanting something sweet, creamy, or, or um, warm and creamy, then you're wanting more comfort. You want a hug, you want affirmation. Um, yeah, things like that. So something that just makes you feel cozy and loved. So the way to get out of this is number one, identifying the emotions that are triggering the emotional eating. Do all of these things when you're not in an emotional eating state. You're just in normal every day. Just kind of think about it. You know, when you're driving or in the shower or folding laundry, what have you, just doing something mundane. Just kind of take a moment to think about, oh my gosh, I, what I did yesterday. What was I eating? Okay. Oh, I, oh, now I remember. That's how I was feeling. And this is what happened. Okay. Let me backtrack. So once you can identify the emotion, hungry, angry, lonely, tired, stressed, overwhelmed, bored, what have you, um, then you can think, okay, when I'm feeling that way, what do I really need? Because food isn't helping. It's a drug, right? So it, it's a Band-Aid. It numbs for a minute, but it's not taking care of the actual problem. So if you're feeling lonely, if you're feeling really tired and you grab something carby, then you eat it, you feel better in the moment, maybe, maybe a half an hour. Then after that point, once it digests and metabolizes and all the hormones, the brain hormones go back down, then you're back to feeling how you were feeling originally, frustrated, angry, tired. Mm -hmm. With that, I just want to share with you some of the solutions um, for emotional eating. So when you get to that place, you identify your emotions, then what you're going to do is think about, okay, what can I do if I'm feeling too angry for, about something? All right. So something that I could do if I'm feeling too angry, maybe I can go out for a walk. I just need to get out. I just need, I'm kind of feeling that fight or flight thing happening. I just need to go out for a walk and I need to blow off some steam. Maybe I'll just get a pillow and punch really hard into it to let off some steam. Um, so what's really happening in those times is we are feeling fight or flight. We want to run or we want to fight because we're angry. And so it's just a matter of doing that, allowing your body to do that. Don't sit because your body's not needing that. It's needing to run or fight. So punch a pillow. You can even just take your hands and press them together like this in the center really hard and then release them. Do it a few times. It helps to start bringing those anger feelings down. You can do it on top of your head. I didn't mean to fix it. Um, you can put it on top of your head and just press down real hard and it helps to release some tension. If you can't run around or, you know, go for a walk, you can do it in place. Um, and yeah, or even just talking, calling somebody, just venting if you need to somebody who you feel could handle it <laughs> in the moment. Um, yeah. Or just, you know, even getting on the floor and just doing as many push-ups as you can, whatever that looks like for you, running up and downstairs, just getting out that negative energy 
and spending some time in prayer if, if you're faith-based. So um, breathing, breathing is huge. You know, just taking six to 10 deep breaths, inhaling and exhaling to release. It's, it's kind of mimicking running. So you're kind of like, <gasps> so it helps you to release some of that energy as well. But yeah, so just thinking of things that you can do to alleviate or to comfort yourself the way you need to be comforted in that moment instead of using food. So what I like to recommend is going away from regardless of what emotion you're feeling, go away from the food environment for at least 30 minutes, go out, go for a walk, reset yourself. Then once you've done that, you, you always have the option to go back to the food. Just so you know that, right. You always have the option. It's nobody's taking it away from you. It's okay. You can go back to the food if you need it, but give yourself that 30 minutes I even like to say, go and organize something because it'll take you out of that side of your brain, the emotional center to the organizational side, go organize something, organize your purse, go organize your wallet, a cabinet, a dresser, find something to organize your closet, whatever, um, clean out your purse. And it's, I mean, plus it'll look nice when you're done, <laughs> uh, um, but that really helps to kind of to shift the center of your brain to more organizational and less emotional and you'll calm once the 30 minutes is up, you can have that food if you want, but when you have it, you need to eat it mindfully, grab whatever you're going to grab, put it on a plate, sit with it, or just sit with it. Even if you don't have something to put it on, sit with it, use a fork and knife. It's going to slow you down, grab a bite of it, eat it, savor it, enjoy it. And more often than not, you're not going to finish it because the need for it is not there anymore. So, um, unless you're hungry, then enjoy something to eat. And sometimes we are, sometimes our blood sugar is too low and um, we're feeling really emotional and even feeling emotional can drive your blood sugar lower too. So maybe grab something to eat and then, um, or and something to drink and see how you feel. So that's what I usually like to give my clients and it's more often than not, it works really well. So yeah. Wonderful information. That's yeah. really great. Yeah. You're welcome. Well, any closing thoughts? Yeah. So I would say, Maybe I'll give you, leave you with a couple of different tips, but, um, so always grace, always give yourself grace, whether you're trying a new weight loss program and trying to break their weight loss plateau, um, give yourself grace. And if you like to pray, I always like to pray for wisdom or just seek wisdom. Other people who are wise in the field or looking for information that you need. Um, I would say more often than not, avoid going to a friend who just lost a bunch of weight, which sounds strange. <laughs> you could ask them, and I'm going to explain why. You can ask them, and that's fine. However, look for people who are professionals in the field first, because not the diet that your friend is doing most likely won't work for you per se, and then you're going to do it, and then you're going to think, oh, I wasted all that time and money and energy, and nothing's happening, and then you just kind of put yourself into that frustration again, and then emotional eating can be triggered. Um, but seek a professional who can give you exactly what you need. And it really, I mean, it's worth it. It's, it's, there's a financial cost, but it's honestly not that much, <laughs> especially if you have insurance with a dietitian or even a lot of physicians aren't really um, educated in the area of nutrition. They might give you general recommendations, but not give you a full meal plan and things. Um, unless you're going to a holistic doctor who might have more knowledge in that area. But I would definitely say, Go to somebody who knows what they're doing, who can tailor it specifically to you because all of our bodies are different. We're in different seasons of our life, emotionally, physically, mentally, spiritually, and having somebody to meet that need. 
And if you're doing it also to find group support, because making any kind of change is challenging, let alone, you know, by yourself. So um, make sure you're getting some group support. Um, that's why in my programs, I like to have all of those bases covered. So you're getting the tailoring from me, customization, you're getting a general meal plan to start with, and then um, somebody to get feedback from in community or from another professional who can take you through the journey so you can have long-term success. And that's what I found has been the best things that you can do to actually live out this wellness lifestyle um, than just trying to do it on your own and feeling like, oh man, I've, I've gained a bunch of weight. You know, you go buy a mirror in your bathroom or you walk past a window and you're like, oh my gosh, that's me. You know, or I see a picture of yourself. I'm like, is that really me? Because when I look in the mirror in the bathroom, that's not what I look like. But when I look at a photo, it's a different person. So, and then it's like, oh my gosh, what just happened? What do I need to do? So we go, and I'm just going to give you an example again, go to our friend, go to somebody, search online all over the place, try to figure out what to do, um, which is fine. It's a good place to start, but it might not get you exactly what you're needing because um, we're all individual. So again, my group is, you know, we have a specific meal plan for the group, but I like to tailor it as needed um, and just make sure you have somebody that can provide that for you if you're getting stuck. So yeah, I love helping people break through those weight loss plateaus. That's yeah, my passion. It's so fun. Especially to see the success. <laughs> yeah. It's and really those, cool. Those plateaus so. are hard to overcome. Yes. I know. It's so frustrating too, especially, you know, as you age, you know, we eat a certain way and we're used to eating that way and our body's weight's been stable, you know, for a lot of people. And all of a sudden you're eating the same way and what happened? Everything's yeah. changing. I'm gaining weight all of a sudden. So, and that's where I come in or I can help you is to help you break through those plateaus and work with um, your stage of life and the type of uh, eating that you need to do. Oh, so, thank you yeah. so much. Great. You're welcome. So yeah. It's my there. pleasure. Yeah. Right. 